Do you have an idea that you're itching to turn into a business? It starts with a website. Visit shopify.com forward slash powwow pitch to sign up for a 60 day free trial to take action on your idea today. Entrepreneurship and innovation have always been an integral part of Indigenous ways of life. And today, this is inspiring sustainable and transformational solutions. To learn more about how RBC supports Indigenous communities and businesses, visit rbc.com forward slash Indigenous. Small businesses are the foundation of our communities. That's why MasterCard has invested in tools to support small business owners as they grow their business. With MasterCard tools and resources, you can increase sales by shortening checkout time, broadening your customer base, and tapping into new opportunities to increase customer loyalty. So get started. Discover all the ways MasterCard can help guide, grow, and protect your business at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. Welcome everyone to the Powwow Pitch Podcast, a show empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. I am your host, Sunshine Quem Tenasco, and I'm an entrepreneur from Kitagon Zibi Anishinaabe. I got my entrepreneurial start on Dragon's Den selling baby moccasins, and today I'm the creator of Powwow Pitch and Her Braids a children's book author, a water protector, a mom, and an advocate of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Each year, Powwow Pitch supports thousands of Indigenous entrepreneurs to tell their stories. I launched this podcast to grow the reach of our entrepreneurial wisdom connected to our rich culture and deep roots as Indigenous people. On this podcast, I interview some of the most successful Indigenous entrepreneurs, makers, and creators to share their stories, learnings, and wisdom to lift us all. The Powwow Pitch Podcast is a production of Powwow Pitch, syndicated through the Startup Canada Podcast Network and co-presented by RBC, Shopify, and MasterCard, with the support of an entire ecosystem of partners committed to the success of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Every few weeks, we drop a new episode, so be sure to subscribe to the Powwow Pitch podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to the Powwow Pitch podcast. Also, be sure to visit us at powwowpitch.org to sign up for our newsletter to get in on the loop about support, resources, funding, and opportunities for Indigenous entrepreneurs. Welcome to the show. of Gowandahawks, Tewisha, uh, a bear clan mohawk from Kanesatake and the co-founder of Revital Software, which is a company that creates commissioned and in-house indigenous language learning video games. I'm going to say it again because it's so important. Indigenous language learning video games. Uh, her early years were spent attending 
Gahankeha Immersion School, Growing Traditional Medicines and Practicing Ceremonies. And Gawanda Hawks is here to talk about her journey, experiences, and current work, the work that she does at Revital Software. So thank you for coming on the show today. We're so happy to be here. Um, thank you for joining us, Gawanda Hawks. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for inviting me. It's good to hear from the Powell Pitch community again after, you know, however long it's been. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what we like to do. We like to like sporadically keep in touch to be like, how's it going? What have you been up to? Because we hear people pitch and then they're sort of go off and do their thing. And then we want to know what's that thing? How's it going? And, you know, and it's and it helps everybody when we talk about our, our journeys and our stories. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, you grew up in uh, an immersion school, which is like super cool because I also grew up in a, uh, an immersion school called Mokasige, where we did learn Anishinaabemowin, but we didn't just learn it like in like school. I'm doing the air quotes again, but like <laughs> we went out and like we learned through like fishing and berry picking and gardening and jam making and, uh, you know, all like deer hide tanning and all the things. So, um, yeah. What was your experience with your immersion? Uh, like it sounds like we had a pretty similar experience. So the Mohawk immersion school that I went to was called, uh, and I, we had a lot of like culturally based learning activities. So the things that I remember the most are like we learned a lot of traditional Mohawk social songs and dances um, to the point where like me and my sisters would go home and my dad would usually have a fire going at the house or outside because we were a pretty outdoorsy family. Mm-hmm. And we would like sit around the fire and my sisters and I would sing the songs and do the dances. And like at school, they even went so far as to bring in like local craftsmen and artisans to teach us how to make our own water drums and rattles. We had a lot of uh, workshop type things where we would learn how to make baskets. And yeah, our recess was pretty much like them opening the doors to the school and letting us run around in the bush and build forts. (laughs) Wow. You know, like, um, did you always know that your education experience was valuable? Um, I didn't know until I like went to a non-Indigenous school afterwards how mm. valuable that education was. Yeah. And, and I asked that question because same, I just like, you know, you just that's how you grow up. So you don't like really question it. And then for a while, um, I loved it by the way, like I friggin' loved school because of that. Cause it was always very hands-on and like, yeah, me too. Yeah. So like, it's easy to love school. And I think like a lot of the kids that went to Mokasiga, our immersion program loved school too, because of that. And, mm-hmm. um, when I graduated and you know, you have to, for in, in our case, anyways, you have to move off the reserve to go to university or college or whatever. And so I moved a, an hour and a half away and it, then I stopped appreciating it because I didn't know all the university things. And yeah. then I was like, oh my God, maybe my education wasn't so, it made me second guess it and really like almost resented that I didn't know what all these other city uh, you know, kids knew. And then mm-hmm. it took about 10 years after where I was like, oh my God, no. Like I was learning the important things. And yeah. Exactly. yeah. <laughs> so is that similar to what you kind of like? A little bit. Yeah. Um, I remember 
while I was in immersion school, I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like I felt, I didn't feel it was like, I thought it was just the normal, right? Like this is how all kids go to school. And it wasn't until we started learning like the history of why we're learning this way, like all the residential school stuff and colonization where I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and then my parents, um, they felt it was important to also have me go through like a non-Indigenous elementary school for a bit to be like, this is the other side of it. Mm. And once I went to those non-Indigenous schools, I ended up coming back because <laughs> it was like, it wasn't a bad experience, but that was my first exposure, I suppose, to being around predominantly non-Indigenous kids. And like, it was just like a night and day, <laughs> the mm. difference of like going out there and then coming back and like being surrounded or immersed in the culture again like it's just nice to be with uh, kids that are you know being raised and brought up with the same values and the same knowledge base as you so yeah it's mm-hmm. when I went on to like college and university um I really grew to appreciate it even more because I don't know if I would have been as like strong in my identity if I hadn't have had that schooling coming up Mm-hmm. I feel like exactly the same way. And I also feel like, did you ever watch, uh, what is it? Finding Nemo? Dory? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Finding Nemo. <laughs> okay. So, you know, at the end there's like the big, I don't even remember, but like there's the school of fish and then they're all like, okay. And they go to school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I find like, that was my experience. That's what immersion is like, okay, get on. We're doing this, you know? Um, mm. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know why that came to my mind, but when you were speaking, I was like, you know, um, and indigenous language revitalization is so needed, especially if your community is, um, close to a city or a town, you know, yeah. other, more remote communities, they've managed to preserve their language. Um, but like even our community, like it's such a big thing. And once it's gone, it's gone. So it's our responsibility to bring it back. And so, you know, you started uh, Revital Software, which creates video games. And that's really the best way to learn. And that's how we learn is through fun and games and doing things, right? So um, yeah. So what inspired you to use video games as a tool? So that's definitely rooted in like, my love of video games as a child, because like a lot of my childhood memories, like on top of going to immersion school and being, you know, around all of the culture like that, Mm -hmm. um, we would come home, my siblings and I, and we would just play like so many video games. And I say we, but it was really me. And then like (laughs) my three other siblings sitting behind me watching me play like it was, I don't know, a 12 hour movie. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. So like, my parents at some point started to be like, wow, the kids are spending a lot of time in front of the television and they do the the usual parent thing, making like, you know, maybe a snarky comment here and there, like, you should be studying your Mohawk. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. And I would kind of like sarcastically think to myself, like, well, if there were Mohawk video games, I'd be playing those, wouldn't I? But there aren't. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. So the connection was just really simple for you. Yeah, it was like one thing led to another and then eventually over the years I still loved video games so I was like okay I'm gonna learn how to make these and now I'm making those games I wish I had as a kid for like the next generation. 
I love that. That's what we do, right? I wish someone would have done this for me or I wish that this existed for me. And then you take action and do it for your like inner child. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's so great also because like, this is my way of kind of re reclaiming or re-engaging with the level of fluency I had as a kid because I definitely lost like 90% of it when mm-hmm. I went to like college and university. Mm-hmm. So like, this is a way for me also to like integrate my language back into my daily life you know like because it's going to be my job yeah and I've like even taken it to the point where I'm like on a waiting list for like being in a adult immersion program back home in Gunasadaga so like hopefully I'll get in there and then I'll be able to make even better games because I'll have you know more knowledge of the language itself and hopefully be able to speak it fluently one day wow good for you I'm so impressed and like Ah, yeah, you're making me want to, you know, focus more time on that um, just by, you know, what you're saying right now. So, like, I have no clue. Like, I'm making stuff up in my mind because I've never played your games. And so (laughs) our listeners are like obviously indigenous entrepreneurs as well who share similar values and are probably like, oh, either like have lost some of their language or most of their language or all that stuff. So what's your favorite video game? And can you kind of describe it for us? Yeah. So like the, the favorite video game that we've made so far was actually the first one that we made before we were even a company back in like 2019. Mm -hmm. At that point, I was still a um, university student wrapping up my computation arts degree at Concordia university here in uh, Montreal. And um, we made a game called Garihunya Mitsura, which translates to teachings. And it's a bit of a visual novel kind of game where there's like a narrative story being told to you. And it's all about this young girl named uh, Yedzi Stokwarorox, who's actually named after my niece. <laughs> I love and, it. Uh, yeah. So she is like asking her duda, her grandmother, like, why is it so important that we take care of the earth? Because she like saw some kids littering at school and she she told them not to do that and they were like why so Mm -hmm. she was kind of shook by that and went home to to ask her duda like why is it actually important that we do this so her duda takes her on this journey around the territory introducing her to all the local flora and fauna and like explaining the important role that they play and how everything's like a big system in nature and if we take care of mother earth mother earth will take care of us Oh my God, see this friggin' Finding Nemo visual is coming back again. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing exactly that part in there. I didn't even know that. Yeah, you really like that movie. I do. You know, I have four kids. So like there's a lot of Disney and Pixar and all that stuff. It's oh my god my house too yeah i've actually got a nemo plushie I, my camera is off but yeah there's a big stuffed nemo behind my head in my room that's so crazy because i also didn't know that how is this <laughs> like that's wild to me um part psychic i think oh my god mm-hmm. so okay so you've done that that was your first video game um what what are is there a sneak peek into any upcoming video games or projects oh yeah Yeah, so right now we're actually writing grant applications um, to fund the creation of four new Mohawk language video games that we want to create. And those games are each going to be like a modern retelling of some traditional Haudenosaunee legends. 
And like, I feel it's important to retell them in a modern context, because a lot of the time when we see media about indigenous people, like we're signifiers of the past or like Mm -hmm. you might as a young person seeing that kind of media, it's cool to see the representation. But on the other hand, if it's always in the past, you're going to start to get the idea that there's no place for our language and our culture and our way of life in like modern context. So like, that's what my hope is by retelling these in a modern way the people playing it will kind of understand like how our teachings can be applied today and how they're still relevant. Mm -hmm. I think it's the basis of how we do everything, like Mm -hmm. how we do business, how we run our projects, why we run our projects, what we choose to focus on and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So like, is, is that the future goal for Revital Software? So the main big goal for Revital, like our our dream, is that mm-hmm. we want to be able to create this library, kind of, a, I'm imagining it looking like Netflix, where you open a page on oh. our website and you see all of these different titles where this is the page dedicated to Mohawk language. And here are all the different dialects and all the games that'll teach you those different dialects. And then there'll be another page for Anishinaabe Moan, right? And then all the different dialects. So there's definitely going to have to be a lot of collaboration with different communities. And that's definitely something we want to be able to do. Cause like um, we've, our company got our start making commission games for a Mohawk immersion school here in Quebec. So we have experience with like working with community members to make something that they will find useful. And so we hope to bring that to, you know, other communities from different nations. I love that. That was my next question uh, about Anishinaabe. You knew exactly which uh, language to to reference as well. And really, I know that just the person, my cousin and my auntie work at the cultural center uh, focused on language revitalization. So like, please message me because yeah. I think this is like, they're always looking for creative ways to do it. And I think like, who doesn't want to play a video game to learn? You know what I mean? And it's going to seep through. So please, please, please let's connect uh, in that way after. Um, Yeah. Cause that's awesome. And so needed. And I think once you, you know, do that, uh, all the doors are going to open because for sure, we're not the only community who, would appreciate the work that you're doing, you know? I hope. (laughs) Yeah, no, for sure. A hundred percent. So now looking at it from a business side, because like this is important work. We, no one like is going to deny that and everyone wants this, but at the end of the day, you still have a family to feed and you have to feed yourself and you, you know what I mean? And your Mm -hmm. partner and all that stuff. So, um, talking a little bit more about the business side from taking your passion to then also being able to not just survive, but like thrive. So what's been the biggest lesson so far as an entrepreneur? Oh, wow. So my biggest lesson has definitely been that just because I can do something by myself doesn't mean that I should be doing it by myself or that it's like necessarily the best way to be doing it. Yep. Yeah, because like I am used to very much being a one woman show and like doing all of the work myself. So I'm like, I've since we started the company, originally it was me and my friend Fred, who I had known since I had been in college. And then we brought my sister, Wanagaragu, on board. And it's been a big learning curve for me to learn how to like delegate to them and to mm. trust them enough to like hand tasks off to them because I've been doing things by myself for like a very long time. So it's like difficult for me to, I guess, let control go of the of the vision because, you know, 
it's just what I'm used to. I don't know if it's necessarily how I was raised, but like being able to work in a team has definitely benefited me because I've like been able to achieve a much healthier work-life balance. And it like helps me prioritize the things that I really should have my eyes on versus Mm -hmm. things that like, oh, my sister can probably do this. Oh, Fred can probably take care of that. Like, you know. I know <laughs> it makes 110% sense because when I was running Quemmies, which is my first business making baby moccasins, yes. I wouldn't like it's so stupid, but I was like, no one can cut out patterns like me. Come yes. on. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing. Uh, I And then so finally adorable. let that go. I was like, no, it's tracing and cutting. Like it's pretty mm-hmm. easy. And then after that, I was like, but no one can be like me. Of course mm-hmm. people can they be better than me and no one can. And then, yeah, once you're able to, so that business, although it like never worked out the, you know, I started, it stopped, it started, stopped it several times. Mm -hmm. That was an important lesson, albeit hard. I don't know if it's ego. I don't, I I don't really know what it is to it. Or maybe it was like, I'm a strong, independent woman. I can do it all. No, but you can do. Yeah. (laughs) But you're like, you can do more if you trust and, you know, seek out the right people who exactly. want to be a part of it. And yeah. so, like you said, it took me a very long time. What's a very long time? Like years, oh my gosh, months? Like what? Definitely years. Um, I don't even know if I'm fully able to do it now. Like, mm-hmm. I'm constantly asking myself, like, can I be handing this off to somebody? Like, am I really the person that has to be doing this? Yeah. And then, like, also, I have to consider, like, are my team members going to learn something Mm. like to better build their capacity by me passing this task on to them? Cause Mm. it's like the, the main struggle that I have with passing things off is being like, Oh, it's got to be perfect. It's got to be amazing. And then like, I have trouble like guiding people. I don't want to micromanage basically. I want to hand it off and then like let somebody figure out how to do it and allow them to give them the space to make mistakes and to learn. So like you eventually end up building this team that's really friggin' good at what they do. Yeah, it's true. And who, like, from my experience, always do better than I could do anyways. Yes, yeah. Yes. So it's finding those people. And you're like, shit, I should have been doing this all along. But yeah. but you can't get there until you learn how to do that, too. Yeah. For your it's own like- You've really got to be ready to do it. Yeah. Your own internal dialogue always comes comes through, eh? Isn't that how it is? Like half the battle is a mental one with yourself. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And so um, what advice do you have for Indigenous entrepreneurs thinking of taking action for their big idea? For everyone who's like not, they, they, it's there, it's in their mind, it's in their, you know, dream space. But mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Um, I would say that there is no right or wrong way to start your business. Um, if you're like me, you're looking for like the printed tried and true step one, step two, step three, and very concerned about doing things in the right order. And everything's chronological and one plus one equals two, you know, mm-hmm. and I let that fear of doing things out of order or the wrong way, like holds me back from getting started. Like you just need to pick a place and start chipping away at it. And I would go farther and say, like, start where you're comfortable, start where it comes easy for you, because then you're going to build up that confidence of like, oh, I've started working on my idea. 
and like I'm happy with what I'm producing. And then you're going to take that next step of like, okay, what's the scary task that I have to do? Like writing a business plan or I don't know, going on powwow pitch, or those sorts of things, like take one little step at a time. And no matter what you do, your work is not going to be wasted. Mm-hmm. Like I'm still using the the stuff that I wrote for my powwow pitch. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm a big advocate for that too, is like baby steps. I know we get, we think of like the big picture all the time and the big dream. Um, I like, thank you for sharing that, what your, what your dream is, because when we say it, we put it out there to the universe and someone eventually listens and is Mm -hmm. like, Hey, guess what? My dream is also this, or I want to be a part of this. And this is my strength. And the more you say it and put it out there and like, take all these baby steps, it miraculously lines up And even if it's at a slower pace or even if it's not how you thought you were going to get there, it miraculously appears. Yeah, exactly. Like it all adds up. Yeah. And so anyways, thank you for sharing your dreams with us today um, and your wisdom and all that stuff. Please follow up. I'd love to. Can I, I would love to see uh, an Anishinaabemowin uh, game. I would buy it for my kids and nieces and nephews and for everybody. And um, yeah, thank you. And we can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much for having me. Me glad we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us today on the Pow Wow Pitch Podcast, dedicated to empowering Indigenous entrepreneurs. The Pow Wow Pitch Podcast is recorded at the Adalwe Indigenous Business Hub Studio, powered by NACA. Thank you to our co-presenting partners, RBC, Shopify, and MasterCard. And to our producers, Victoria Lennox and Cyprian Shalankiewicz. And to everyone who makes Pow Wow Pitch possible. Be sure to visit powwowpitch.org to explore how we can support you to start your business and sign up to our newsletter to learn more about the Powwow Pitch Competition, the Indigenous Entrepreneur Awards, the Indigenous Startup Program, the Powwow Pitch Box, and powwowmarket.com. Until next time, I am your host, Sunshine Tanasco. Miigwech.